I'm going to try having it just right here and not on me because I'm not going to move too far. I think that word Scott people will treasure that it happens in England first and the rest. But actually it is true in mission history. Whatever happened in England affected the world. And that's one of the prayers for the nation is to see that happen again, that we would send people around the world uh, living out the gospel. But I'm coming to my, the end of my stay here in New Braunfels and... Let me, all, let me start by just thanking you all for being a community, that it is such a pleasure to come and come and be a part for a little while and then go out strengthened from being here. I think it, I stood at the dinner before Christmas, the progressive dinner, thinking, wow, these guys really know how to love one another. Because I just as I watched, as we mingled and mixed and ate such wonderful food, there wasn't a person being left out of the conversation and it switched continually from this person to that person in different groups and I thought that's not always true within the body and it's lovely when you find it to just think ah I'm so proud of you guys (laughs) and I'm I'm proud to come home and be a part um I need to go home because I've now strengthened my ability to withstand the cold so um (laughs) We need to put me on the plane soon. But I've enjoyed every minute of everything I have accomplished and, and, and enjoyed doing. As Scott said, we did a little workshop yesterday that we talked about being everyday reconcilers. And that's really what I want to talk to you about. And Scott, if you want to just let the pictures scroll and, um, and then we'll come back. Because actually, I think sometimes the impression is... And I know this is true at home as well, is that there's a special group of people that like to get involved with reconciliation. And then there's the rest of us. But in reality, the reality is the gospel is reconciliation. And everybody is called to be a reconciler. And I think watching young moms especially, I would say, I don't think we realize that what we're doing, you're doing every day is the hard work of reconciliation. Every ability to call children out of warring corners of rooms where they're playing and make peace with each other is really the, the, the very center of what anybody does that's trying to bring groups together, is get them to lay down their weapons, don't hit somebody with your toys, and, and then basically turn and begin to say sorry and make it right. And, but you mothers do that day in and day out. And I think sometimes don't recognize that you're actually modeling what the gospel's all about. And fathers, I should not let you off the hook because you're a big part of that picture as well. But parents, it's the very center. So I wanted to kind of frame my comments somewhat to you all of looking at some things I'm doing in Luton, but then bring it down through Romans 12 to really this is the life we're called to live. But what does that look like? And I think that's what most of us are asking. Well, exactly how do we do it? I think also we live right now in, in a time that, that just seems like we're discovering more and more ways to fracture our societies, bring division, there's fear, there's uncertainty, and it's worldwide. It's not just here in New Braunfels or in the United States. It's worldwide. So there's an unease that the world is changing, and I'm not quite sure where it's going and what it's going to do. And I I would say one thing about living in the UK versus living here is the UK is smaller. And so in in a sense, I sometimes feel like it's an easier picture to grasp because it's a microcosm, but it's a microcosm of what goes on everywhere. And 
problems between social classes, between the wealthy and the poor. There's questions about race. There's questions about faith. All of those are here and all of those are where I live. So let me just move for a second to the idea that in Scripture, you and I and what are called aliens. Now, we think of the word aliens. We use it in the U.K. quite a bit about the illegal aliens. And, um, but we're not illegal. We just are aliens because we live in another kingdom. And our role here is to bring that kingdom, like you all have been learning all this year as I listen to podcasts. We're learning to live God's kingdom in a pagan or fallen society, whichever we want to call it. But that's our task, day in and day out. And to do that, there's a lot of different things that we've got to grapple. And one is, it's up to all of us sitting in this room. And so, my pictures on the on the board are a little bit um, of some of the activities that we did this year. And I would say some of them don't reflect... Are we scrolling? Are we going around? There's um, three different ones I wanted to point out. And the pictures here are of public events. But behind the scenes of public events is the everyday reconciliation I might be doing with the team of people I work with, where we somehow have misunderstandings. I just can't understand how. When we speak different languages and come from different cultures that we might periodically have troubles. But there's all of that kind of reconciliation. There's personal times with God that I'm working myself into a better relationship with God. All of that is in that circle of reconciling one to another. So one of the beginning pictures here, this group of folks, this is at St. John's Anglican Church in Farley, where I was living until this July, and I've just moved to a new location. But in that, in that location in Farley, we have some Muslim neighbors. And so over the last three years as I've lived in, Far- lived in Farley, we talked about building more relationships with this little mosque. It's a mosque that you wouldn't even know is there. It, it's a former apartment building, and they took that building and rented it and renovated it inside. But they're very quiet folk. They didn't really particularly want to be highly noticed. Um, it's a conservative congregation. But this year, I was working towards getting us to have dinner in the church with them during, during one of their holidays. This was a huge deal. And it sounds so simple that let's all have dinner together. But it was a big deal because they, the, the people of the, the mosque, none of them had ever been inside of a church. Now, as you look at the pictures, um, we are actually there. Mr. Khan and I are trying to figure out when they're going to show up. Because the men were gathered in the mosque. They were saying their prayers. It seemed like they should have been there about 30 minutes beforehand. But there's also a cultural difference. And so time isn't of value. And so we were just like, I was going, how much longer do you think we're going to eat? Because the group that's waiting is getting a little hungry. But they finally did. And they came in and it was all men. Now, the invitation was to the men and the women in the mosque. But we got all of the men that had been in the mosque. And the reason being, they've never done this before. And this just themselves, they were so delighted with themselves that they had come. We enjoyed an amazing meal together. Some of um, Mr. Khan's family actually came, two of his daughters that work in the community. And, and then we had a variety of Christians, most of whom from the St. John's had not done this before either. But we sat around and we ate, a picture of hospitality. 
The next group that comes up in these pictures is will be a group of women that I got to know at the university. I go down once a week to work in the university as a just a chaplain that's there for the students of all faiths. Well, in doing that, I gradually thought, you know, I'd really like to have a group of young Christian and Muslim women to get together and be a group in which we get to know one another. So one of the members of that group is a lovely youth worker from St. Mary's, which is an Anglican church right next to the university. And then some of the ladies I just met in the university came. And in beginning a conversation with them, and we centered it around just getting to know who are we, not around our face so much. It, it soon comes up because it's about like, do you mind if I dress like this? And do you mind if I dress like this? Since we're ladies, we have to talk about what we dress like. So it was, and they're all very talkative. So I'd sit back, start the meeting, and then they just talked over each other, with each other. And, and we laughed and we laughed. But in the middle of that happening, over the, a couple of weeks really, it was right at the beginning, one of the ladies had an incident where we would call it in the UK, and I think it's the same thing here, where somebody verbally abused her for being a lady with a headscarf on. And she was just waiting at the train. And she came in and shared the story, and then another one spoke up about what had happened to her, and another one spoke up. There were about eight of us at this meeting. And I think we all sat there going, This isn't like an article in the newspaper. These are real people I'm talking to. What was really touching to my heart was that their immediate response on that first day, the one young lady said, you know, I don't want to hate in return. And I don't want to be fearful in return. And and then they all shared that their mothers really would like them to modify their dress a bit so maybe they wouldn't be so visible because they were worried. And now none of these girls were dressed in anything that should have been alarming because it was like a headscarf. It wasn't like ladies even 100 years ago here did. So it was just shocking to do that. And out of that relationship, we all went, well, what can we do to help with this? Because we know it's a problem. Well, the police also in in Luton, but across the UK, had raised their profile on hate crime and reportings of hate crimes. Mainly, they said, because they were feeling like they were underreported. They wanted to know the breadth of what's going on and how to respond. And so we held a little workshop and invited anybody we knew. And we had probably about 25 young people from the university and the community had a meal again, because everybody likes to come if you feed them. I think that's just universal truth, biblical truth. And um, as, we, as we talked, more of those ladies told stories. And it was just, I thought, for me, I used to, as a child, I read a lot of stories about the Holocaust and the rise of Nazism and the persecution of the Jews. And I just thought, you know, this, this can't go on like this. This is not right. And what can we do to stand together? So that's become a kind of a, an ongoing conversation as we build our relationships is how do we draw people in to say, you're not alone. You're not alone. We're going to stand together because we love you and we want everybody in our community to feel at peace and welcomed in our community. And then the last group is kind of a continue on with this. Rahana, who is speaking in this picture, me standing just gracefully to the side. Uh, we were kind of talking back and forth. We decided together, she is a Muslim, and she does a lot of community work in town. And 
probably is the first woman in Luton that I've really gotten to know who everybody listens to. She has a heart of gold. She's on a problem in three seconds to go meet with somebody and sit down at their table and talk with them. And, and then to work, at the, there's a wide group of people in Luton that want to work on community problems. But she's just a key person. And the two of us had been talking about the hate crime and also about how do we just get ordinary people involved? Because often you'll go to these kind of events, but it's the same people again and again. You're thinking, this doesn't look overly hopeful, really, because we're talking to ourselves. We're convinced, but we need to expand it. And so we decided we would have... You guessed it, a luncheon with good Asian food. And she has some relatives that serve the best food ever. And um, we're in a church hall that as you look at the, as the pictures go, you would see everybody is bundled up because it had to be about 50 degrees in that building. We had a warm conversation while we all tried to just stop shaking the whole time. But out of that, it was, uh, we used the theme walking together. And a couple of the ladies said, I came in, I was going to listen to it to begin with and think, if this is the normal event, I'm going home. Because I've had enough kind of interfaith discussion. It was like, oh, this is different. We're talking about how do we build a better community. So we had a great time. And we want to see that progress. And it was about 50 ladies most of which had never come to something like this. And so they stood together and sat together, depending on how many heaters we had to get cuddle around, and, and shared how do we get to know each other better. And to help that, in the middle of it, we had a Palestinian Christian who is an Israeli from Nazareth that works in reconciliation. And Shadia just told her story of growing up in Nazareth. The, the old city is all Muslims and Christians, and the upper city is Jewish, so you wouldn't meet in daily life. So she said it wasn't until she was a teenager that she went to Masalaha in one of their youth groups and began a journey of getting to know what she saw as the enemy. And ever since then, she's been a part of Masalaha, leading women's and children's work. So that's kind of my backdrop of those kind of events. And that's the daily life of you can't help but meet somebody that is different than yourself in Luton because it's a pretty mixed community of, of English people, foreigners, and, and then people of a variety of colors. So it is extremely diverse. But that's not what the whole county is like. So not to give a picture, because often I read emails of the picture of England is there are no white people left. It's like, actually, no. The county that we sit in is 92% white. It just happens that in Luton, it's probably about 50-50, and it's very crowded. So you come together and you see each other a lot. Now, that is my world, and I love that world. And it makes me, though, draw back into Scripture. Because to walk into and listen to these heartache of stories, to know the things that people feel pressurized with, is then to ask, well, there's only one source in which we really will get our strength to do this. And so, Scott, if you want to go back to the passage from Romans 12. And I just want to focus in on these verses, Romans 12, 11 to 21. And I chose the message because it always somehow in the message it comes across quite poof in your face. And I like that kind of scripture. But it reads about the same in every one that we shared yesterday. We kind of looked at a variety. And in doing it, I think then we've got some keys right here 
of how do we live reconciliation in our family? How do we live it in the church? Um, heaven forbid we have any division or any diversity, but we do, we do, and that's just good. But we need help with it. Then in the community and then looking at our wider world. So read along with me if you would. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Don't keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert servants of the master. Cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians. Be inventive in hospitality. Bless your enemies. No cursing under your breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they're down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. If you've got it in you, get along with everybody. Don't insist on getting even. That's not even for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Our scriptures tell us that if you see your enemy hungry, go buy that person lunch. Or if he's thirsty, get him a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. Don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing good. Now, I just want to propose to you all that this is a passage to just like the passage Scott's given to read this year. Just let that scripture do some work. Thinking about it, praying over it, thinking about now what does that look like? With a child, you're about to strangle in the midst of uh, dispute. <laughs> there is so much we can pull out of here. <coughs> and, it be, and really the whole passage of, verse, of chapter 12. But remember that all of those books in the Bible, in the New Testament, were written to churches trying to live out the gospel. So they're all full of pictures of how do we do it? Because these were people that weren't doing it perfectly. We're not called to do it perfectly. We, we never will until... The new heaven and earth comes. But we can learn to do what is our responsibility. As much as is possible for me, let me do that part. So love from the center of who you are. We know the very center of who we are is Christ Jesus. And the Holy Spirit in us, if we're dwelling in him, if we're reflecting him, then we've got the strength. And we need the strength to face up to evil. There are some evil people out there. There always have been. Um, there's evil people in the Muslim community. There's evil people in the far right community who feel like there's a way to overthrow everything and start again. There's misguided people in all our communities. There's some evil people in the Christian community that have taken the message and somehow twisted it into something that it's not. All of that is not the spirit of God. So we do need strength. We need strength to realize that we can do things that are quite harmful to one another. And we don't want to turn away, but we also don't want to be overwhelmed by it because we have the light. We have the light. And um, so run for dear life from evil. Hold on to what's dear. Life is good. 
You know, I think holding that phrase, the king, life in the kingdom of God is good. It is good. Be good friends who love deeply. That reminds me of the verse about the fact that in the end times, the love will grow cold. Well, I think those end times have always been with us since Jesus started. And ever since then, people have been living in difficult circumstances and able to overcome evil by doing good. But don't burn out. So we got to stay in Jesus. I think that's what happens. You just get discouraged because it's like, oh, my heavens, Lord, how in the world? You know, it only takes coming back into worship like today, turning our eyes to heaven and go, oh, I forget. You are still on the throne. Oh, I don't, I need to remember this. The whole world is not running amok. You do understand what's happening. But we have to remind ourselves. And don't quit in hard times. I think as far as where I live, it'd be easy for the church to go, okay, enough already. But it's not. It's actually going, hey, this is our time. Let's get out and let's make more friends. So I think we all do it in our own way. Pray a little harder and then help needy Christians. Be inventive in hospitalities. And this one is so very crucial. From the beginning, Jesus blessed us as we killed him as his enemy. You know, that is the very core of the cross is bless those who curse you, love those, do good to them and laugh with those that are happy and shed tears with those that are down. I know from my area at the moment, there's tremendous fear in the Muslim community because there's a lot of police surveillance of the community and they feel like their children feel like they're not a part of the community because people are watching them all the time and you think well that's not normal i think if we go into some of our minority communities here we'd hear what is stirring up the issues from the black community why why are they arising so strongly right now but we'll only know if we get close enough and we hear and get to know them and then get along uh, we've got to find a way to make peace, not just keep the peace. That's in our families or here in our body. How do we talk things through? And don't hit back. I would say every time I'm in a conflict that is really difficult, my immediate response is not love this person. It is, how am I going to get them back? <laughs> and, you, and you kind of go, whoa, wait, 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 wait. Where, where am I going with this? <laughs> But it's just a natural response. And it's from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible that men and women like to get even. And every time God teaches us, no, it's my job to judge. It's yours to bridge the gap and make room for me. And, you know, when I really do that is when I see my relationships change. If I, if I really back up. And don't open my mouth to tell them one more time how I think they're doing it wrong. Then, And I apologize. Somewhere in that mixture, something happens. And we switch gears and we begin to listen to each other more. So all of that, this one I think is as well. And some of us have a gift of doing this. But we all can help each other with it is discover beauty in everyone. You know, when I first went to the Middle East, I was astounded by the hospitality. A, a man that stopped when I was trying to find the way, driving a car, and, and he asked us, we were on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere, he said, where are you trying to go? Because we had the map out on the hood of the car, and, and we showed him, and he said, oh, well, that's just down the road. I'll get you there. 
This Turkish man drove 30 miles out of his way. We later find out that he lived right near where we, he stopped because he was in a little town close to there. But he knew we probably wouldn't find it, so he thought he'd better take us. That happened so much that you were just like, who are you? I don't know that I would ever do any of this stuff. Um, so there's beauty. There's beauty in everybody sitting in this room. It's different, but we, we want to call it out and encourage each other. And finally, you know, the whole go-do. What are we doing to help a community that's in need? That's, this is an Old Testament. Remember, this is who you are. The, the, the people out there, they don't do this. The people here that know me, that know God, they see and they want to help. How can I help? That may be just that your neighbor is having trouble raking up their leaves, you know. But we all have an ability to do something that speaks of God comes to us. Because that's really what it is. And I, I want to use Rahana again with a quote from her. Because over the last few months as I've gotten really to know her even more and admire the work she does. Several times she has said to me, you know, Kathy, what encourages me right now as a Muslim woman is when my Christian friends come alongside and we face issues together. They are my neighbors. I mean, that's my neighborhood in the whole town. But also, she'll say to me, I really want to see the church live like Jesus. Because she has a, quite a keen understanding from her faith about the prophet Jesus. But I almost hear that as a call, you know, to come on. We need you all to live out this gospel. So I want to encourage us to remember this year as we go about what we're doing that in our families, in our jobs, in the community, there are so many ways that we can get these things into, into action. And you do it. You already do it. Everybody seeing this room more than likely does it more times than they can imagine every day. Adam working in a school, I know for sure does it because I was a teacher. You just can't get along without helping people make peace. You are living out reconciliation. So be encouraged. Be encouraged. And take opportunities. Like right now, as Scott was saying, we have the Martin Luther King March tomorrow. That's a wonderful way just to be present is a statement. Having little white faces in the mix of all of that. It it speaks volumes when you get to know people and you realize what it means to folks. So I, I just want to come as an everyday reconciler. Um, that I, I got tired of living in a family that was disorganized and disharmonious with, when I was growing up and thinking, there has got to be a better way to live than this. And, and so all of us, all of us, be encouraged to live and to breathe in the Spirit of God and love those around you abundantly because the world is watching us. And they're waiting to see that love of Christ that is so alive in each one of us in our lives. Amen. Amen. Amen.